When we study scripture, we are going to come across passages that challenge our long-held beliefs. I watched once as a, um, as a fellow Bible school student, he discovered that a passage he thought meant one thing actually meant something, something else. And I watched the struggle on his face. It was visible. He was wrestling with this new concept, and it, it challenged him quite a bit. You look at the Pharisees in Scripture, and they, they refused to, to change from their long-held beliefs and accept what Jesus was teaching. Today, I want to talk about the danger of an unchanged heart, because if we don't, if we don't hold our faith in an open hand, not so open that the wind blows it away, but if, if we're not willing to change our beliefs based on biblical truth, then we, we might find ourselves in trouble. So we're going to talk about that today, the danger of an unchanged heart, right after this. Hi, I'm Troy King, and I know that reading the Bible is a tremendous blessing, but it's also challenging and sometimes confusing. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Together, we'll explore the cultures and context of Scripture so that you can discover new insights and grow closer to God. This is the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. My name is Troy and I'm so thrilled to have you here with me. I want to invite you to visit the website freedombiblestudy.com and there you can sign up for the verse of the day, podcast notifications, you can listen or watch the show on YouTube and subscribe. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like and share. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, please leave a review. Uh, please help spread the word about this new podcast. I really appreciate it. Help get the gospel message out there and spread more biblical truth. That's the mission of this show. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right into the meat of today's content, the danger of an unchanged heart. So there was a time in my life when I was at a crossroads. I knew that I wasn't living right for the Lord. My walk with him had plateaued. I still believed, I still had faith, but I knew I was living in sin. And I was standing at the back of a, uh, a sanctuary at a church camp. And as I approached the back of the, the sanctuary, uh, I, I felt just this uneasiness. Like, you know, I, I knew I had done wrong and I had two choices. I could go in and just admit my mistakes and, and ask God for forgiveness, or continue to live for my own selfish desires, continue to follow my own pursuits, and disregard my walk with the Lord. And uh, I chose to go in and find a place at an altar, and, and God changed me forevermore. He literally changed the course of my life. In that evening, and I'll never ever forget it, because I was willing to change my heart, because I was willing to admit uh, that first of all, I had faith that God would forgive me of my sin, of my wrongdoing, and I was willing to repent of it. I was willing to turn from my sin to God, and that's important. That's so essential. Faith and repentance are absolutely critical if we're going to. Uh, draw closer to God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. Abraham was counted right, uh, righteous because of his faith. So faith is critical. And it's not just that 
you know, yes, yes, we have to believe that God is real, that he exists, but we also have to have faith that he's willing to forgive. And you look at scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, he is all about forgiveness. And we have to have faith in that. Uh, but we also have to have repentance, right? If we're going to be forgiven, we need to turn from our, our wickedness. Uh, without repentance of sin, it is impossible to be made right with God. What was God's message in the Old Testament prophets to Israel and Judah? Turn back, turn back, turn back from worshiping idols and gods of wood and stone that, that can't hear, that can't see, that can't speak. Turn to the living God. Message of John the Baptist was repent, right? People who were baptized under John's baptism were baptized into repentance, admitting our fault and turning from our sin to God. So I want to share with you this passage out of Matthew 12, uh, 41. I'll read it here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the time of judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. So, in Matthew 12, we are uh, we're seeing this confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees. Now, who who were the Pharisees? So, they were a member. Uh, they were members of a religious party called Judaism, and Judaism is basically a um, uh, the religion, the main religion of the Hebrews at the time, based on the law of Moses, but augmented with oral traditions. And the Pharisees were very strict in their implementation of Mosaic law, and they um, actually extended the, Mo the Mosaic law, which is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They extended it with all these extra things, things that God didn't intend for them to live by. And they were furious at Jesus because he often worked on the Sabbath. He healed people on the Sabbath. And that violated their law. When Jesus, the whole point was like, listen, you know, uh, I'm doing a good work. I'm, I'm doing something good on the Sabbath. I'm healing somebody. But they're, they were so upset and stuck in their ways that they were mad at Jesus for doing something good when they thought he shouldn't be doing it on the Sabbath. So in Matthew 12, there's conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus because he frees a man from demonic possession. And the people are absolutely amazed. They're astounded. And the Pharisees say that, oh, this man, he is casting out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus rebukes them. You know, here's the hand of God at work before them, and they are giving credit to the great deceiver. And so... Jesus illustrates how good and bad trees are known by their fruit. A good tree is known by their, their good fruit that doesn't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree is known by its bad fruit. It cannot produce good fruit. And on Judgment Day, they will face the consequences of their words. So, uh, that's a strong indictment. So, let's take a look at Matthew 12 and 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Right? Full of unbelief, but hey, hey, we want to see a show. Verse 39 and 40, He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For, jo for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, he's talking about the sign of Jonah, and just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, when Jesus was crucified, he's, t he's talking about how he will be put, he'll be buried, put in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Um, so if you're not familiar with, so let's step back a moment, okay? If the men of Nineveh are going to stand up in judgment against, um, against Nineveh, and if there's a sign of Jonah, I think we need to, to recap the, the, the account of Jonah. Uh, so if you're not familiar with it, Jonah was an Old Testament prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, and he was instructed by the Lord to go to Nineveh, the capital of the wicked Assyrian Empire, and tell them that they'd be destroyed because of their sin. So instead of obeying God's command, he went the opposite direction, hopped on a boat to try to <laughs> go the other direction, and a violent storm threatened to sink the boat. So the sailors are like, hey, someone here has upset a god, and uh, we need to figure it out. And they deduce it's Jonah, and Jonah says, yeah, you're right, I am running from the living God, so just throw me overboard, because you're going to die if I stay here. So he gets thrown overboard, and a great fish swallows him. And then while he is inside for three days and three nights, he prays and he is deposited <laughs> back on shore. And he says, okay, all right, well, I'm going to go to Nineveh. And so he goes to Nineveh and he preaches and Nineveh responded. So I think it's important that if, if Jesus is referencing this, we need to know what is Nineveh's response. These are wicked people, cruel people. They were known for being just absolutely barbaric. So how is it that they are going to rise up and condemn these people? Let's take a look at it. Jonah 3, verses 4 and 5. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed in all of them from the greatest to the least, uh, greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. So this is absolutely critical. They believe. They believe the word of Jonah. They believed God. Verse uh, 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So it was, the, it was a cultural thing that when you were showing remorse or repentance that uh, you would put on sackcloth, you would cover yourself in ashes or dust to, to show your repentance. Verse 7, this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything, because they were fasting, do not let them eat or drink. Verse 8 and 9, But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So this is so important that we look at the response of the king here. They had no promise or guarantee of, of salvation or rescue. God didn't say, uh, turn 
and I'll spare you. He just said, in 40 days, you're done. And so they are in faith, you know, they believe God and they're just like, you know what? Uh, Maybe, who knows? Maybe he will turn from his fierce anger and maybe we'll be okay. Remember, these were cruel and violent people. They feared no one. But here, they're responding to the message of Jonah. They're believing God and they are saying, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of afraid, so let's, we're going to have a fast. We're going to sit in dust. We're, we're going to put on sackcloth. And who knows? Maybe we'll live. So they had the good sense to relent and surrender the will of God. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, their response moved God. And he relented because he saw, you know what? These people have changed their ways. They've changed their hearts. They're, they're trusting in me. They're believing in me. And they're responding. And it's so critical. They're responding. They're willing to change. So here, back in Matthew 12, the Pharisees are just scoffing at Jesus. You're casting out demons by the work of Satan. Uh, they're plotting to kill him. And Jesus says, let's go back to our focus verse. Matthew 12, 41, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. See, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So the wicked Ninevites believed Jonah. And they repented. But here was the Pharisees before God Almighty manifest in flesh as Jesus Christ. And they refused to believe. They refused to change their hearts. They witnessed more signs and wonders than the people of Nineveh did. But they refused to believe. Verse 42. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. They're talking about um, Queen of Sheba. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. Verse 33 and 34. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through and places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Verse 45. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So, what is Jesus talking about? Now he's talking, so he goes from the men of Nineveh and the queen are going to uh, stand up and condemn this generation for their unbelief. And then he starts talking about demons and houses and what is all going on here. So you know, Jesus performed uh, miracles and healings and exorcisms. He, he cast demons out of people and he had a positive effect on people. And those who witnessed what Jesus was doing were, were impacted. And even though lives had been changed, even though people had seen the, the power and authority of God, there had been no repentance. 
there had been no change of heart. So even though maybe they cleaned up their lives a little bit and tried to live a little bit more uh, how they should live, without a change of heart, without some repentance, yeah, a demon left and, and you've put things in order, but you know, when the demon comes back, if your heart is you know unchanged, if you don't have the power and presence of God living in you, it's going to find the house, uh, you know, hey, it, it's swept up, it's nice, but it's unoccupied. And it goes out and brings back seven more demons. And then the unbeliever, the unchanged heart, is even worse off than before. So it's so important that we let God's Spirit not only change our heart, but dwell in our heart so that when that evil spirit comes back knocking, it's going to find the power and presence of God Almighty. It's going to find a changed heart. It's going to find a repentant heart. And there'll be no room for it or his friends there. So the gospel message is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. We need to believe in God and turn from our sin. Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. He, when he shed his blood, it was the ultimate sacrifice because the wages of sin is death. That's the only way to, to pay the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus paid for our death with his own, paid uh, with his life. And so uh, he has risen from the grave so that we can have new life through him. So the choice is ours. You and I have a choice to make. Just like when I was standing at the back of that sanctuary, I could go in and turn from my sin and find salvation fresh and new. Or I could just go back to the way that I was living, keep doing the things I was always doing, continue in my unrepentant, unchanged state. And ultimately, I would find judgment and condemnation. I don't want that for anybody. That's why the message today is believe in God. He will forgive you. He is faithful and just to forgive when we ask. And turn from, let's turn from our sin. You and I both together, let's turn from our sin. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I still have things I've got to give to God. I've still got to turn every day. Lord, I'm turning from my evil ways. Please forgive me. The Pharisees were only interested in self-validation. They had a lust for power and control over others, and they were not interested in the message of salvation. They rejected it. They rejected Jesus. But yet the wicked people of Nineveh, they, they believed, and they turned from their sin. They changed their hearts, and God saw it, and he relented. And so those men, uh, the men of Nineveh will stand up on the day of judgment and condemn the Pharisees, for their unbelief. So it's so important that we examine our hearts, that we look introspectively at our, at our lives and, and look at our faith. Are we rejecting the gospel in favor of our own comfortable traditions? Perhaps, you know, I, I was raised in the church. My, my mom and dad were going to church when I was born, so I've always known the saving power of God, but that doesn't mean I always lived for Him. In my college years, like I said, I, I lived in a way that I know displeased God. But I had to come to that point where I said, where I said yes, Lord, I, 
I want more of you in my life. I want to be changed. I want my heart to be changed. So, I want to encourage you to pray this week. And um, let the Lord speak to you. Let Him change your heart. Let His Spirit guide you. Let His Spirit fill you so that you can have that changed heart. So that uh, those, those demons won't come and find a place to hang out and have a party in your heart, in your life. So, I hope this has been encouraging today. And uh, I want to offer a prayer. And I hope you'll pray this with me. Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sin, for I know that I have lived in a way that displeases you. I turn, Lord, from my sin, both the sins that I know that I do and the sins that I don't know that I do. Please reveal it to me. Help me to live in a way that pleases you. Please forgive me of my sin. Lord, lead me to a place of repentance that I can be changed by you. I believe in you, mighty God. I believe in you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. Next time, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why does God choose to frustrate the wise and elevate the humble? We're going to tackle this one head on. Join me, won't you? Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Please remember to subscribe and share. Visit the website, freedombiblestudy.com. We're going to have a great show next time. Can't wait. Take care. God bless.